Hi there, and welcome to the Skylight Books author reading series. You can find out about this and all of our author events at www.skylightbooks.com. At our website, you can also browse our inventory as well as order books online. And don't be afraid to follow us on Twitter or even be our friend at facebook.com. If you'd like to talk to a real person, we can be reached at 323-660-1175. Thanks for listening and enjoy. Uh, but tonight, we're here to hear Howard Altman read from his second book of poetry in this house. Um, after the reading, we'll do a question and answer and a little signing, get some books signed. Uh, Howard Altman's work has appeared in many journals, including most recently, New England Review, Plowshares, and Poetry. He was born and raised in Montreal and has earned degrees from McGill and Stanford. So, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for coming. And here is Howard Altman. I just, I just graduated, so you know it's a big it's a big thing. That's a joke, you know. I'll be telling you when I make the jokes. So, thank you all for coming. I spent five hours on the flight coming from New York trying to figure out the order of the poems tonight, and um, and then five minutes ago I decided I'm just going to reverse the order that I had. Um, decided. So I'm going to read about 10 poems and uh, and then we'll call it a reading. So thank you for coming. I'm very happy to be here. It's such a beautiful day and night. The canvas in the room. There's nothing to do with words today. All words in all languages want to be left alone. Those in books are enjoying the company of the dark. Those about to be spoken are turning from the light. Those that have slid from mind to heart are rolling in the mud. Those on naked swims in pristine lakes refuse all dress. Those on moonlit hikes in snowy fields do not want another eye. Those on sandy beaches have embraced their tracks. There is nothing to do with words today. All words in all languages want to rest. They have traveled the clouds and they have run from the gods. They have done their immortal duty. They have made war and they have made love. They have killed animal and they have killed bird. They have survived two testaments. They have sung their song. There is nothing to do with words today. They will not be assembled. They will not approach the picket line. Foreign lands and exotic feasts offer no enticement. They refuse to sleep, and they refuse to nap. They refuse to stand. They have no end game. They are not made for man. There is nothing to do with words today. There was never anything to do with words. The river never stopped for reflection. The leaf never shrank from interpretation. The wave never changed its mind. The flames never act, asked to dance. The sky never painted a cloud. I am dripping in silence. The next poem I'm going to read is called Transformation. It was inspired by a friend of mine who was going through a difficult divorce. And we were walking in Soho in New York on a beautiful spring day. It couldn't have been more beautiful. And suddenly he tugs my arm. And uh, with a look of panic in his eyes, he says to me, he goes, you know, what if the next life is exactly like this life? 
And I thought it was such a poetic way of capturing someone's fear that it inspired um, the poem and the first two lines, transformations. Frightened of the next life being exactly like this life, he asked to be a bird so he could hide in the trees at night and not be alone. Someone must have heard his cry. And before he had no more lift in his being, an old willow offered him her weight so he could feel light again. The birds that knew him from his long walks accepted him like he was one from the nest, though what plagued him as a man was not a fear of heights or sudden descents into the void. Do not follow me, he pleaded to that self. Despite unending gyrations, he could not eject the part that parted him from the earth. Resigned that it would live through another death, he simply let himself fall to her window from where he had stood one night and asked to be a man again, to reveal his heart to the morning that had not broken. Sounds. A man may read a poem to write a poem. He may make love to find love. He may climb a mountain to transcend a shadow. He may forget the years to retrieve a day. In the assembly of life's acts, a man searches for his parts. He walks in the rain to touch the veil of childhood. He waits for the sky to break, for a wound to close. He smiles at a stranger to let the unknown pass. And when sleep eludes him, it is not darkness that captures him. It is the years at the window throwing light in his eyes. It is the ascension of shadows dissolving from his frame. It is love's ephemeral body trusting what is absent. Then a man may write a poem to read a poem to her. When she has finished listening, her silence will begin to drop its sounds. The way rain does not hurry to cover all that is ground the way a horizon gradually recovers from the passing of a train. The painted room. And you wait and you wait and you say you're not waiting. It is living that you're living. Candles light a room, two shadows darken one. The bread is warm and the moon drinks from your cup. You travel in and out of books. The plants are green. And you wait and you wait and you say you're not waiting. It is new experiences that you're experiencing. A sky takes your jump, an ocean floor takes your gaze. Substances are passed and matters pass away. You move in and out of awareness. The language is foreign. And you wait, and you wait, and you say you're not waiting. It is the seed that you're seeding. Children are schooled, the dead are mourned. The foundation hardens and the voices recede. You wander in and out of helplessness. The interior has a face. And you wait. And you wait. And you say you're not waiting. It is the emptiness that is emptying. The catatonic stand at the bus stop. The lonely sit at the night cafe. The other is homeless. And the other is without. You do not wander in and out of the rain. 
you do not wait for spring. We have a dog and a cat here this evening, and um, I'm remiss in not introducing them. Um, I know the names of the dog. I know the name of the dog, which is Blue. Uh, I don't know the name of the cat, but I believe the the, the cat is part of uh, Skylight. Fran. So Fran and Blue are here tonight with me and with all of us. Um, they really only got into poetry uh, about a couple of months ago. Uh, they were listening to NPR and they heard Billy Collins and that was it, you know. I should have chosen another poet, I suppose. No, I like Billy Collins, I shouldn't say that. I'm gonna read a poem called History. It is Budapest and the December light is lost in the dark of the morning fog. And memory is trying to lift its weight from the river Danube to that basin history has watered down. It is the fog, tired of being above it all. Follow me, it says. We don't have to commit to the land or its people. We can make love to the earth and leave its bed alone. We can roll over headstones and no one will know the names of the dead. We can slow the movement of horses and pass their fear back to time. We are all in exile, the fox says. When he was a young man at Auschwitz, my father leapt out of line for a potato and was saved by a bell that never rang. Sixty years later, he stands in his place by his mother's tomb, the only tomb, containing his hunger for memory. Feed me, feed me. He does not cry, like the ground does not cry, 1944, from its spring, and the horses clocking the cemetery walls do not cry, for the fog to deepen. Only a congregation of birds hovering in Talmudic chatter tolls the silence as a distant river's passage rolls over the frozen limbs of winter. What they learned before they fluttered out of formation and what they look like in full flight and whether the birds ever return to pay homage are simply questions that remain never far from home. Fran had asked me to read that poem. Blue asked me to read After Dark, and I'm going to honor his request. I'm the boy who returns to the same whore in the same foreign country. I am that man. I'm the boy who runs from the same truth with the same mask. I am that man. I'm the boy who asks for the same love from the same woman. I am that man. I'm the boy who empties the same body of water with its same body of reflections. I am that man. I am the boy who enters the same rooms with the same windows and the one who sleeps in the same bed with the same light. I am that man. I am that man. I am the boy who leaves the same echo with different voices. I am that boy. I am that boy. You hear me well, yes? 
the death of curiosity. Then came the death of curiosity. It was sudden and it was quick. Many did not see it coming. It woke up one morning and couldn't move its face away from itself. Narcissus would have gilded its frame. An actor would have leaned in for a lesson. A mime would have surrendered. Painters and sculptors would have gathered their instruments. Children would have tried to make it laugh. But curiosity was alone in its death, as no one knew that it had died. Politicians graced it in speeches. Scientists alluded to it in private conversations. Neighbors greeted it on Sundays. Crowds assumed it was in their laps. All the while, curiosity was at capacity. It had what it had, and it would have no more. Then came the death of the country. It was not sudden, and it was not quick. Few did not see it coming. It woke up one morning and unhinged itself. It did not leave a piece of land or a body of water. It did not leave a flag. It left no memory of soaring spacecraft or landing men. There were no museums to document its descent. There were no old maps to study. Even the wars that never really died had no more blood to go around. Human and beast alike hovered in the air. Yet there was nothing bird-like about them. They were not leaves ushered by the wind into the great hallways of time. They were still human, and they were still beast that simply had no ground to stand on. The feet of trees wiggled their ankles in the air. Buildings that stood up to the sky sat unmoored from their foundations. Then came the death of surrealism. It was slow, and it was painful, and no one saw it coming. If it woke up one morning, not a soul could say. Its oxygen was reality and its history of ailments. The supply of raw materials to manipulate had exhausted itself. The shape of things had simply depleted the inventory of possible contortions. Imagined forms were confined to the unconscious universe. Floating in the horizon with animals and plants, painters and sculptors lost all perspective. No politician could claim chaos as a constituent. No chemist could conduct an experiment. The ink of philosophers had no medium to wander. The dissolution of gestures gave actors nothing to mime. Narcissus could not reflect upon her reflections. Children could not fix their laughter. The world could not place its fears. I'll read a poem which is the, uh, the title of the book is In This House, and the title poem uh, in this house I actually began here in Los Angeles, uh, staying at a good friend's house while they were away, um, who's here this evening. and. Um, I only wrote the first six lines of the poem in Los Angeles, and I finished the poem a good many months later in New York. Uh, but something, there was some wonderful energy in, in that house that allowed me to, I, that I knew the, the lines felt pregnant, so I, I kept staying with, with those lines, because I, like a, a crazy person, kept on rewriting them um, in this house. It's a great house, by the way. In this house that is not mine, I can hear a home. Knocking at a door left unlocked for years, only the days knew to come and go as they please. At the top of some ridge it has found me, with my walls, building solitude out of trees. 
at the nadir of some work it is trying to enter and show me to my room. And at the middle of life it is throwing stones as if there were a window. Night could open and I shall see that figure reaching for light. I was born in a crowded room and before the age of reading, I excused myself from the story and closed the book. Now there is a story of a mountain in this house that is not mine, and it stands half read. Now there is a story of a river, and it throws off half pages here and half pages there. And there is a story of myself, my lies flowing from half-truths whose full narration I can't wind down. But when the wind turns the lake into braille for the half-standing trees, I retain some kind of vision of nature. Mother, I was a scribe in Egypt in that house that was not ours. Island. The moment one says it is a moment of perfection, it is something less than perfection. So on the island of Fernando de Noronha, I will be quiet now. I will let the birds speak Portuguese. I will let the waters speak dialects of green. I will let the rocks tell me I was never really born. And the vistas carry my insights to an early death. I will let the breeze nudge my ears off one cliff here and one cliff there. I will let the air confiscate my passport. And I will let the sand send my battles to the sea. Let them all simply make an island out of me. The moment I say I am lost without love, I will be something less than lost. The next few poems I'm going to read in Yiddish. I understand there's a lot of Yiddish speakers here in the in the audience. So, gravity, bad jokes by the poet Howard Altman, skylight books, gravity. The poem breaks down. The day's architecture collapses. I am walking over words. The longing for a hurricane of emotion to sweep the mind frames the body. I am made of sand. Neither blue sky nor blue ocean tells the story at the end of the horizon when all that floats is a fiction of the eye. Beyond the beyond, imagination and knowledge finally come to shore. Identity is a bastard child the parent of all tides. It is the color of water hiding in the rose. It is time's thorns rounded in the hourglass. But when I turn it all upside down, I see the gravity of it all, the sentences that were once falling down on me. I'll finish with a poem called Waiting. Um, 
which is also a poem, as it happens, that I uh, started here in Los Angeles. And I remember the afternoon while I was sitting in traffic. Um, I don't know if it was Santa Monica Boulevard. It was one of those. Um, but it was about three in the afternoon, which is completely irrelevant to the understanding and meaning of this poem. But, you know. There aren't many poems that I've written where I can actually remember the time when the first words uh, emerged. Uh, but again, this was a case where I, 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 the first few lines were written in LA and the poem, uh, because the lines fell pregnant, I finished the poem months later in New York. Um, and it's really one of the more simple poems in the book. Um, waiting. Even at this old age, I am not tired of watering the same thoughts, burning the same pots, stirring the same wounds, letting the same illusions heal, watching the rain. Even at this old age, I am not sure when to buy new shoes, how much to tip the postman, what words to speak to the bereaved, the meaning of my dreams, what books to read. Even at this old age, I can go on and on from this chair, from that window, without socks, without God, full of pain. Even at this old age, I feel younger than my children, than the buds in the trees, than the spring flowers in the white buckets, gray squirrels, dry kisses. Even at this old age, I am waiting for the evidence to present itself, for the trial to resume, for the letter in the mailbox, for the summons from the foreign land, that forecast from the sky. Even at this old age, I want someone to tell me who I am. I think I said that was going to be the last poem, didn't I? Um, but I'll read one more because Daniela showed up. And I'll read, um, I'll read animals. It happened in broad daylight. A museum of world renown was exhibiting the facts on behalf of the people when animals stole their way past the absurdists and the realists with the acclaimed collection. Disagreement persists as to which animal is now running with the facts and whether the perpetrator is the ultimate beneficiary. If collusion among the species was at play, one could say the entire kingdom is up for grabs. If it were one beast acting on its own accord, friends and family have not come forward with any clues. On one matter, however, a consensus remains. The facts will never be the same. To say they are being dragged through the mud <clears throat> would be an oversimplification. To argue that they are being chewed to pieces suggests that they could be broken down. And to assume that they could even be held in the jaws of one callous creature is simply grist for the mill. The reality is that most people never viewed the facts when they were mounted or before they were purchased by a family trust for an undisclosed sum. Only a privileged few actually held the facts in their hands, and they are all deceased. While a visit to their burial sites has been recommended by a committee of volunteers, access has been denied as the pursuit of the facts 
has been deemed to be no spiritual matter. And though roads, bridges, and tunnels have been sealed off, conventional wisdom has determined that whatever four-legged species committed the crime, it is now a flock of birds careening out of control with the weight of biblical dimension crushing its wings. Thus all bodies of water have been summoned back to land, and all clouds and patches of blue sky are passing through routine inspection. What has emerged is a kind of dinosaur that, without the constitution to, bring, to breathe in another medium, will not survive. And so fact-checkers the world over have since been caught lying on their, back, on their backs, holding their breath for this time to pass. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions? Oh. Based on your Santa Monica Boulevard anecdote, um, I get the impression that all this take a decent amount of time. Um, are there any points where you, is that always how it is, or are there points where you sit down and you're like, I'm going to write a poem to do it, start to finish? Uh, you know, it's, it's never happened for me. Um, you know, sometimes the, the, the you know, the, uh, the flesh of the poem will emerge in one sitting, but usually, it, it, for me, it, it, it tends to take many, uh, many drafts. So, you know, the craft, of course, is to make it look uncrafted, but, uh, you know, um, some poets will just uh, spit it out in a half an hour, but that's generally not the way it's, it's worked for me. I'd like it to work that way for me. Maybe one day, you know. Yeah. Yes? Um, first off, thank you. I, I loved hearing poems read out loud. Having read them just sort of on the page, hearing them out loud, I, and I already loved them, but hearing them out loud gave it even more depth and it was just beautiful, so thank you. Oh, thank you. Um, something that's really stuck out to me this time listening to it was the line, identity is a bastard child. Mm. And I just wondered if you had anything to, to comment on that? <laughs> well, I think the poems uh, on some level do struggle with, uh, you know, memory and identity. Um, uh, and, and certainly I think that's been, for me, a personal struggle, uh, consciously, subconsciously, unconsciously, you know, throughout my life. Um, and how it uh, enters into the the poems, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't really articulate very well. Uh, as to the specific line, identity is a bastard child, I think it's very hard to, uh, um, I think we spend our lives trying to figure out who we are and how we um, came to be who we are. And I think it's, uh, it, 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 it's a very amorphous, uh, uh, ephemeral, um, difficult task. Um, that's a personal view. Um, so, uh, but there's also anger in that line, of course, and uh, and that's and that's the personal nature of the poem. Yeah. Yes. So um, you read us the poem, the title poem. Um, yeah. 
and was that the first poem? How did that become the title? Because you said you started it here. Um, I, I, my, my preference for the title of the book was actually The Painted Room. Um, and it turns out that there's a, a Danish poet, uh, who, that, a well-known Danish poet, that, whose book was translated, uh, and the title was The Painted Room. Um, I shouldn't really say that, that The Innes House was my second choice. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to have chosen, gone within his house anyways, because I think it, it does capture the poems uh, uh, as a summary uh, of what's contained in the book. Um, I, think the, I, think, I think the title works, and, and it happens to be one of my favorite poems in the book. Um, and in this house, of course, you know, in this house of poems. Um, so it works, I, I, I hope, on a, on a couple of levels. Not very deep, but, you know. It's also, my publisher said that 75% that of poetry buyers are women, and they love the word house or home. <laughs> now, I hope you don't take that as sexist or anything, but, you know. There, yeah, there was some market research, um, and people generally like the like the title. You know, people don't like the title, the painted room. You know, I think you know. So uh, there, there, there you go. Did, did I answer your question, Amy? I think so. Yeah. I was just wondering if if, if it had come first or anything. Is that just you answered it? That's your favorite one. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it was my second choice. But at the end of the day, I'm happy that. Uh, we went with within this house and, and not the painted room, um, which feels a little bit too. Um, it doesn't. It, I don't think it captures what's what's in here. So, so that was a better title. Yes. About what apartments? <laughs> in this apartment, absolutely. In this condo, you know. So a whole series coming out. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, I think Blue or Fran had a question. To no, no, they didn't. Busy cleaning. Bi Fran's busy cleaning. Yeah. Um, Any other questions? Okay. Cool. We will um, sign the book. Let's say thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can check out this and all our other great podcasts at www.skylightbooks.com. Today's music was provided by Ashley and Arlo. You can check them out at MySpace, Facebook, or at the iTunes Music Store. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.